This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. annoyed and I hate to start the show like this but I can't believe the athletic is doing a series about the top 100 baseball players and they just announced that a rod is 16th over Frank Robinson over Mike Schmidt who came in tied at at, at 20 you're trying to tell me you rather have a rod than Mike Schmidt then Frank Robinson, guys that were winners, that were great ball players. A-Rod was simply a stat collector. That's all, and he was all about himself. Talking about being a leader. By the way, uh, Commander Cody with me here, as we'll be here for a segment, talking a little baseball. I'll give you a little live content before we throw it back to A's cast. How are you? Great. I wasn't expecting to be on the air today at 125, but here Neither we are. Neither was I. Yeah, well. It rained last week when we were in Arizona, which is a bit odd. It was sprinkled. That? It, no, it rained. We had, we had to cover the equipment with a trash bag. It sprinkled. It, it was uncommon for rain for me this time of year. Because uh, usually I'm used to snow at this time of year when I was younger. I remember there was I – I can't remember what year this was. The A's are playing the Giants at Scottsdale Stadium. And when it rains in Arizona, the ground is so hard – and they have, like, the monsoons come from Southern California and Mexico. And basically it was the monsoon rain. And it rained so hard that we couldn't get to the stadium because it just floods. The rain has nowhere to go. Like here, you know, it rains. I mean, if it rains really hard, you'll get some flooding. But, I mean, you know, and especially back east, it rains all the time. So they're used to it in the Midwest. But, like, in Arizona, it never – like, like they get, like, barely an inch or whatever it is a year of rain. And then when this monsoon comes through and it rains so hard that the, the intersections, literally all of them flood in Scottsdale because the rain has nowhere to go. And I remember we were supposed to do a show and we had to call our boss and, like, hey, we can't get there. Like, it, like literally fans couldn't get to the stadium – because around Scottsdale Stadium was completely flooded, so when it rains in Arizona, it's not good because they're just they're just not the ground is not used to it, and obviously, canceling a spring training game is something you don't want to do, as guys are still battling for positions. It's just not battling for the big league club. You're battling for whether you go to AAA, AA. You're battling for your future, and always let's not forget this. 
you're not only auditioning for the A's, you're auditioning for the 29 other clubs because there are guys right now that scouts are looking at and they're saying, well, if the A's don't have them and they're out of options, I think of two guys, Barreto or Mateo, you know scouts are looking at those two guys because if one of those guys doesn't make the roster, there's going to be a team that swoops them up right away. Well, we know for sure with Mateo because of his speed. We talked about how valuable he would be coming off the bench for the A's throughout the season. If you want to keep him as a 26 man, he's a late late inning guy. I kind of compared him to Terrence Gore with the Royals a few years ago when he came in and just in late inning situations stole a lot of bases and was just a base a base runner. I, I just and with Barreto, I don't think you want to give up. It, it's been how many years now, but you still don't want to give up on Barreto because he's like the last hope from the Donaldson deal. But he's having a nice spring, and, you know, Mateo can still bags, and Vimeo, Vimeo Machine seems to get a hit every time I, I check the box score. So they got a nice position battle going off at second base, but the rain, like you said, does not help at all canceling this game. It made me think of the last time I remember seeing it rain here during, like, the beginning of baseball season. It was like a couple of years ago, and they postponed, I think, the second game of the year at the Coliseum and at, uh, then AT&T Park because of rain. And that was, like I think, I was going to say it was like three or four years ago. And it was just crazy because, you know, growing up on the East Coast, when it rains, we know how to handle the rain. Where when I came out here, it's completely different when you see the rain. It's like people are overreacting. They can't drive in the rain. It's 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 like It was like um, mind-blowing to me to see how different two worlds really are when it comes to rain. If Machine gets offered back to the Cubs, do they want him back? Trying to think of he where he would fit on their roster, because that's what the Rule Five is all about. Because yeah. then, if the A's keep him, you have to keep him on the roster. I'm trying to think like he's not starting over Baez. He's not. So over if the Chris Cubs Bryant. don't want him back, then you can you can put him in AAA. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think just who the Cubs like even on their roster who he would maybe play over. Like I know you, he's not starting over Baez. He's not over Bryant. Well, if they take him back, they can just put him back in the minor leagues. And they have Nico Horner there. Uh, he's a, I think he's a Bay Area kid or Northern California kid who's going to probably start at second base for them. So um, if they take him back, yeah, I can see him playing in the minors. But he's had a nice spring. He, he gets a lot of hits. Well, you know who gets a lot of hits? These backup catchers. I mean, Haim and Allen both continue to hit. That is something to really watch, the backup catcher. Because Sean Murphy... When you have a young catcher as talented as he is, but but he's had knee issues, you don't see him being a workhorse. So the backup catcher actually is an interesting position for the A's this year. And the two guys battling for it are not veteran guys. So you've got two you've got catching options and it's gonna be a situation to where you've got a lot of young guys. Now, Austin Allen is not known as a great defensive catcher. Now, the report out of San Diego that I got from inside the organization, we joke all the time on an uh, A's Cast Live, my scout, my brother, who is well-connected inside the Padre organization. But actually, I, I got this report from somebody with the Padres um, via San Diego Country Club, being the big connection with the Padres. Uh, he's like, they, they project him to be Stephen Vogt. Which, you're not going to say Stephen Vogt was the great... He's not Johnny Bench, but what Stephen Vogt brought to the party was offense. And we've seen that so far. Austin Allen can swing it. There's no doubt about it. And Haim has had a good spring. So that that is the other battle 
going on. I don't know if I want to carry three catchers. That I mean, you know, if 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 you've got the weapon of a twenty-six guy on the roster, I want versatility and I want speed. And that's why I think Mateo, there's no way you expose him and not because he's out of options. I mean, I like the fact that you think you have that weapon of a catcher. Let's say you say, hey, Allen can swing it, and you're going to bring him off the bench. Heim will be a better addition from a standpoint of catching, but Allen could be a force offense. Who are you going to use more? A guy that has speed and versatility and who can also hit versus a third catcher for potential pinch hitting. Well, you're definitely going to use Mateo more. He's more valuable to the team with everything, everything he can do. Now, I, Austin Allen is hitting 406 in spring training with two homers, 10 RBIs. Yes, he's Dare I say, very good. could he make the list of great Oakland Athletics to have a great spring training? And, well, Feldy went through the list of how great their regular seasons were. But, I mean, Jonah Heim is hitting 320, but he has no home runs. So, Austin Allen's showing the power from the left side of the plate. So, I I, I like the idea of having hit one of those two as the backup catcher, but I'm with you 100%. You keep Mateo, he's more valuable. He can still back for you. He can play short, can play second. Because I don't see Marcus Simeon taking a day off. He's the modern-day Cal Ripken, as we joke about on A's Cast Live. But Yeah, that, that you know. But if he does need a day off, you know. Well, if he gets hurt. Or he gets hurt, you, you have someone that, you know, on the roster already that can fill in instead of, you know, being, okay, we have to call him up from AAA, do, you know, go through all those hoops. But. I'm with you. I keep Mateo and, and maybe keep Austin Allen as a backup catcher because you know that Murphy's not going to play every single game. I think JT Realmuto led all catchers last year. He played like 145 games. I, I don't think uh, Sean Murphy gets close to that this year because of coming off the injury and just being a young catcher. And then there is the aspect of, oh, the defensive catcher. And don't tell Ray Fossey I said this. No one steals anymore. Who led baseball last year in steals? We went over this. The That'd Rangers. The Texas Rangers with what, like 130 steals? 137. Ricky Henderson throw, stole 130 in one year. No one steals anymore. And you're you're still going to give me the – is this something – and th- and that this is something we could get into with Bob Melvin or Scott Emerson, the whole pitch framing. Uh, they put a lot of – they that's – a lot of yeah, that's goes great. on that. That's great. Well, I mean, it's – They're going to – they're going to – electronic essentially strikes. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think Austin Hedges was graded out as the best pitch framer, the Padres catcher who really can't hit. I think he hits like 215, if that. Great. How'd yeah. that work out? Yeah. I mean, where were they at? But um, you What saw- would you rather have, a pitch framer or an offensive catcher? I'm the worst guy to ask that question because I'm going to pick the pitch framer. But that's ridiculous. It helps the pitching staff. It's ridiculous. You got to get outs. Pitchers get the outs. You think it's like, oh, my God, he framed it just to let. That's how you get strikeouts. That's how guys have 300 in a season. Okay. Swing and miss stuff has nothing to do with pitch framing. I just, to me, it's, it's I hear that and I go, really? It's almost like front office people want to make themselves more important. We have developed this new thing. Look at this guy. Really? Well, I. Who won the World Series last year? The, the Nationals. Um. Kurt Suzuki, all of a sudden, is now the greatest pitch framer of all time? Uh, pitching stuff's pretty good. I mean, but I mean, he, he helps. He helps. I don't know how great his pitch framing is. I, then why I, we let him go? Why, 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 why did the Braves let him go? Why did anybody <laughs> let him go? Yeah. We had him in the organization. Well, I grew up in the – or 
coming up through the era, the you'd rather have a pitch framer versus a guy that legitimately swings it. Are you talking about as a starting catcher or your backup catcher? Either or. Uh, I'm still taking the. You can have a pitch framer that does average at the plate. Uh, if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't hit 30 home runs, great. But if he's getting outs, helping your pitching staff, I'm go. I'm okay with that. We're gonna differ on that, just like we differ on. I, I I would love to see this dramatic proof of the pitch framer of a person that could actually take a pitch that's less less than an inch, less than an inch, and it change it changes everything. You realize that in baseball. Catcher ERA really does not differ between your starter and your backup. And the proof of that is Buster Posey when he got hurt. Buster Posey got hurt. Uh, what was it? What was the guy's name? He was Scott a, Cousins. Scott Cousins. Runs into Buster Posey, breaks his leg, big controversy, and Buster was out for really pretty much three-fourths of the year. Yeah, yes, he was. And the Giants still finished. Second in ERA. How was that possible? How's that possible? They had a grip hits framer behind the plate. How's that possible? Buster Posey, he's so he's so great with the he's so unbelievable with the staff. Ballpark factors too. Oh my God. They still and I think only the Phillies that year had a better uh overall ERA as a staff. I'm pretty sure they had Cliff Lee and Roy Halliday then. No, who's the catcher? Oh, that's a great question. Oh wow. Carlos uh Carlos Ruiz. Who was who was the backup catcher to Buster Posey who started all those games? Oh wow! Wow, that's I, dude, I, wait a minute. How do you not know? That's a big deal because he's a pitch framer. That's I'm actually going to look it up. Who was their catcher after Buster got hurt? I mean, I used to do this on my talk show years ago. I used to laugh at it. Where you're going? Oh wow, Buster's so great. Why is the staff still second in all of baseball and he's been gone basically the whole year? Because it's the arms on the mound. It's not the catcher. I'm pulling up the roster as we speak. It's so tired talking about catchers. Uh, Eli Whiteside. Oh my God, the great Eli Whiteside. He hit 197 that year. He was. He's. I think he's the Giants bullpen catcher now. To be honest, uh, he was. He started 82. Do you games now that see year. my point? Yeah, and Chris Stewart. It was. Do also you now there. see my point? Well, I pulled up the pitch framing. When oh. I, I told you how Austin Hedges, he now he caught 2,680 pitches. Is he the number one pitch framer? He was 54.1 percent strikeout rate or strike rate. So, so I'm going to go to my magazine here, and I'm going to go to the National League West. See where the Padres finished? And the Padres. Tell me who was the number one pitch framer in baseball. That would be Austin Hedges, their catcher. Padres were 70 and 92. Um, Fernando Tatis was hurt. 70 and 92. Let's see here. Let's go to some of the pitchers. Where's Lucchese, their left-hander? Bay Area kid, Fremont. 4.18 ERA. So you have the best pitch for oh, – so your ace is 10-10 and 10 with a 4.18 ERA. Oh, Chris Paddock's their ace. How'd he do? Oh, yeah, but well, he can't pitch. Yeah, he can't pitch so many – He yeah. only pitched so many games. But the, but the other guys on the list here, you got Yasmani Grandal. 9-7 and seven with a 3.33 ERA in a pitcher's ballpark. Uh, Roberto Perez, who's arguably the best defensive catcher in baseball, they some will argue he won the gold glove last year. Buster Posey, sixth. JT Real Muto, seven. Oh, wait, Buster Posey. Uh, they were 77 and 85. Huh, let's go to the Giants. The Gigantes, where are they? Hey, hey, Brian McCann's on this list. He recently retired, Brian McCann, that is. Oh, because, God, he made such a difference. And Yeah, the Giants. So, wait a minute. You say the number one pitch framer, well under 500 ball club. 
Uh, then Posey's what? Posey was sixth. And they were 77 and 85. And once again, when Buster Better. Posey got her, hurt, the Giants still finished second in all of base in all of the National League in ERA. And Posey didn't even play. The guy that was like the catalyst behind this was Russell Martin when the Pirates went through the whole thing. And Martin was the guy that was like, oh, they, we love him for pitch framing. And the Yankees liked him for pitch framing. And he was the guy. And he, you know, he played in some games for the Dodgers last year. But, you know, the Dodgers won 106 games last year. So they won. He wasn't. He also split time with um, Barnes and and Will Smith. Go down the list. Show me teams that won a lot of games and didn't have a great pick. Wait a minute. Oh my God, seventeenth. How's that possible that a Mets catcher with all with Jacob <laughs> Degrom is seventeenth in pitch framing? How's that possible? There's another Dodger catcher on the list. Jason Castro was on a team that won 103 games and he's 22nd. The pride of Castro Valley, Jason Castro. Pride of Stanford. Former Stanford Cardinal. See, that? Just stop it. Every, every, every Dodgers catcher is in the top 25. Because <laughs> just, they're just all great pitch framers. That's, I mean, it has nothing to do with Clayton Kershaw and Walker Buehler being really good. And uh, Hung Jin Ryu having a uh, Cy Young-type year. Oh, yeah. Walker Buehler needs a lot of help yeah, so from his catcher. Hey, they might have helped Ryu. He had a breakout year last year at age 33. By the way, we've been taught one thing that we're going to get into a lot on Friday is the top 100 put out by ESPN. They put out the top 100 baseball players, current baseball players, and Chapman's on the list, Olsen's on the list, Simeon's on the list, Liam Hendricks is on the list. Were you shocked by that? No, he was arguably one of the top four or five Relief pitchers in baseball last year, but not for an entire year. No, but you know you got. You I mean, the rest of baseball had no clue who Liam Hendricks was. I mean, if you talk about the best relievers last year, you think of Kirby Yates, Josh Hader, uh, Emilio Pagan was pretty good, but I don't think he's on the list. But he was he had a pretty good year. Um, I know I'm bl- I'm probably going to blank on someone that was good. He's a great Emilio Pagan is a great example of good in Seattle, not good in Oakland. No. And then all of a sudden now in Tampa. Great in Tampa. Where now you, he's a Padre. Yeah, like you try and figure this out. Like that that is the toughest thing year to year in baseball is to figure out who's going to get outs and who's not from the bullpen. Yeah, ask the Mets. They traded for Edwin Diaz, and he was, after having one arguably one of the greatest years ever for a closer, saves-wise, uh, he stunk last year for the Mets. They want the Seth Lugo to close out games, a former starter who still starts, a spot starter closing out games for them. So you never know, especially with the Mets last year. Great pitching staff, Mr. Outlier, Jacob DeGrom. But their closer can't close games after having 50-plus saves here before. You know, how, how does Blake try and go from being historic to brutal? That's one of the biggest drop-offs I've seen. What was his area? His area is under, like, what was it, .77 or something like that? 90 strikeouts and so he's, many innings. He was almost a 5 ERA. Yeah, he he would have had a five. Lou Trevino had over a five ERA last year. Then Leon comes in and has a one point eight zero ERA. I mean, literally, Melvin had no confidence in him. But the names on this top one hundred list, it's and I I think we both will agree that it really should be pitchers in a different list than position players. I don't like that the the pitcher. You know, when you have guys that don't play every day, when you compare somebody that plays. 30 games that that you can't compare the value 
of any A's starting pitcher to the value of Marcus Simeon. You just can't. And you shouldn't. Well, it's like it's like taking the value of, you know, Bellinger or Betts and comparing it to what DeGrom or or Garrett Cole does. They pitch every five days. I mean, they're, they know, they're great. They're the two best in the game right now. You only now, play but... a third of the season. Yeah. They're, they're... If you're healthy. That's the thing. It's like, you're going to tell me that a guy that plays in 32 games is more valuable than a guy that plays in 162. I was looking through the list. I, I have a gripe. I have a gripe on Friday I'm going to get to with it. A catcher ranked too low. Way too low. A catcher? A catcher. He better hit. Oh, he hits. Trust I don't want to hear about his pitch frame. No, this guy hits. This guy hit over 30. I don't want to hear about year. him throwing because no one steals bases anymore. I'll just give, the, I'll give you a tease. Mitch Garver should be higher on the list. Shots fired. What? Explain to me who he should be over. I mean, he had he had 30-plus home runs last year as a catcher. I mean, I know the Twins at 307 home runs, but I, I, I like him. I know he's a little older, but I, I think him being ranked – I'm looking at the list right now. Garver's in the, I think he, what number is he, like 89? I think it's a bit low. Garver is number 89 on the list. And he hit how many home runs? He hit um, 31 and 311 at-bats last year. Now, normally you know how I feel about home runs now. Yeah. He was number one. If you don't hit home runs, that's the problem. But when you do it in that ballpark, that is a – that's 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 really legit. Number one in OPS, almost a thousand isolated power, and second in hard contact rate. All things that are measured, you know, those are very valuable. He's also twenty eight, so he's a little older. But Mitch yeah, Garver, you're in your prime. You're not old. Yeah. You're in your prime. Well, I'm saying 20. older. Like when you see guys that break out, they're like twenty five, twenty six. He's a couple uh. years older, but I think he's a bit too low. Eighty nine's a bit low. One spot below our guy, Trevor Bauer. Ooh, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to tell people what you said off the air about Trevor Bauer. We love Bauer, but I'm he not wasn't very t- good last year with the Reds. I'll say it. He knows that. He was 39th in 20, 2018 or 2019, and then this year he dropped to 88. That's all. The, that's all. The, uh, we'll talk about the rest of the list on Friday. But that I, I think that Bauer, he went and and with the with the Reds, he went two and five with a six three nine ERA. Think about that. Take a wild guess. So we 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 and and I'm just. Because I'm on the sketching thing right now, I can't. I can't let this go. Was it? What is today? Um, Wednesday. Wednesday it was Monday. Who did we talk to on Monday from the Rangers? Uh, that'd be Mike Bassick. They got to give up seven fifty six to Bonds. So we were laughing with him about how the Rangers led all of baseball. I'm gonna get the exact number. It's one thirty seven. You sure? I'm sure. But you can look it up to fact check me. I'm just gonna fat as. Matt Chapman said, fat check. And I did fact check Chapman, too. 137 stolen bases by the Rangers led all of baseball. How many did the A's have last year? Let me think. They don't have so, 137 is tops. How many stolen bases since we're so worried about defensive catching? They would have had. And, I your would pitch, and, and, and a lot of your best pitch framers were on teams under 500. I'm going to say Loriano led the team in steals. Because I know I think Simeon had ten, but I'm gonna say like fifty-seven. The Oakland Athletics, who won ninety-seven games, had a grand total of forty-nine stolen bases. That it was Lorano the was Lorano the leader? Because I think I think Simeon forty-nine. Your leader in the clubhouse 
was Ramon Laureano with yes. 13. And then Simeon had 10, right? Jerks and Profar had nine. Simeon had 10. Because I think Simeon's had like five straight years of 10 homers, 10 Robbie steals. Grossman had nine. The great Stephen Piscotti had two. Our guy Mark Canna had three. You can do everything, Mr. Versatility. Wow. How about Chapman and Olsen? How many bases they still combined? Uh, Olsen, zero. zero. Chapman, one. One. The new Ricky Henderson of the A's, Matt Chapman, had one. The, I mean, literally throwing the baseball as a catcher. When you think of Johnny Bench, Pudge Rodriguez, you think of these guys. Yachty Molina. What does it matter? No one steals anymore. They're not attempting. Like the slide step, holding runners. What does it matter? No one steals bags anymore. They don't want you stealing. What would what, what, what would have been like for, I don't know, Ricky Henderson, Vince Coleman, Maury Wills? Front offices literally would have said, do not make that many attempts. You're running us into outs. Because not only did Ricky Henderson steal the most bags all time, he was caught stealing the most of all time. Like, would they allow a young Ricky Henderson to do what he did back in the day? Probably not. The way we value um, outs now, no. Uh, Because you're seeing, I mean, the Rangers had 130. I couldn't even tell you who led baseball in steals last year. I want to say... It was a National League player, but I'm trying. I'm blanking on who it was that led baseball in steals. Um, but if your team has 137, when Ricky Henderson stole 130 early in his career <laughs> in his season, uh, that's um, it's probably not good. But you know, the stolen base is kind of like the lost. You know, it's like bunting anymore. It's a it's a lost art that no one in baseball really pays attention to anymore, or uses or takes advantage of. I mean, Matt Olson does when there's a shift on. He's great at dropping down the bunt, which is great to see. But as a guy that loves a shift, I love watching him beat it. But I, I, I don't. Teams don't value the steal anymore, and it's, it shows a lot when the A's leading stolen base guy was Loreno thirteen. Oh, okay. Wow, Malik Smith, who we just saw in Peoria, Malik Smith, because that was AL of the Seattle Mariners, led all of baseball with a grand total of forty six stolen bases. He must have more than the A's combined. Raul Montesi's kid, where the Royals stole 43. So, basically, the top three stolen bases were on Seattle, Kansas City, and Baltimore. Jonathan VR. So, the three worst, three teams that were god-awful last year. They had to steal bases. They stole bases. (laughs) Like, no one, like, 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 literally, no one steals bases. And then you're looking at a couple 30-30 guys in Yelich and, and Acuna. I mean, it's 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 a dying – it's it's amazing that this is just a dying art. So I wonder as a front office, maybe we'll talk to David Force, make a note of this. We'll talk to David Force on Friday. You know, how much do you value a catcher throwing the baseball if no one steals bases? Like – would you rather have a guy that's more offensive than defensive Defensive when you're telling me the guy that, that led the league in stolen bases is in your division on a team that's going to lose 100 games? 
Like, am I really worried? Oh, no, Malik Smith's going to steal bags against me. Like, am I, am I worried about that? Uh, I wouldn't be in baseball today. No, not at all. Because you're not – I mean, it's one guy playing for arguably the third worst, fourth worst team in the American League. I mean, they might lose over 100 games here. We talked about that already. Seattle's – they'll be a little bit better, but they're not going to be much But I don't think he has 46 steals this year. There's no way. I don't think that – Then I'll maybe they'll let him run, but who knows. I don't think I, – I'll, I'll take the under on his 46 steals for 2020. Will someone steal 50 bags buying or – by the way, MLB.com is ripping us off. They're, they were doing – I saw last night, they were doing a buying or selling thing. Who was it? Was it one of the guys we've had on? They probably listened to the show and stole it. <sighs> so sad. We've got to have a conversation with my guys over there at MLB.com. Yes, we're going to have to – we're going to have to – I'm hey, going to have to get Petriello and Sarah Langs back on the phone. Bottom line, hey, that's our deal, buying or selling. It's patented, for God's sake. Buying or selling, someone steals 50 bags this year. Selling. But I am buying that Ronald Acuna Jr. does do 40-40 this year. Or Yelich, one of the two, because Yelich had 30 before he got hurt. I do think we'll see a 40-40 guy this year between one of those two guys. Or it could be a surprise guy. Well, I, I think we did talk. We I think we did address that. And if Acuna is going to do it, you do it when you're young because you can't do it when you're old. It's just too much on the body. I mean, when you think about it, Conseco was young, A Rod was young, Bonds wasn't young when he did it, but Bonds was on a last place team. This is before you know, Bonds. Bonds went forty forty when they were still at the stick. I want to say like in uh, 98 or 99, right around there, and the Giants weren't very good. So the season was all about him and his stats. That will always go down for Jose Canseco of what was so impressive is that Jose Canseco went 40-40 when the A's were going to the World Series. Everybody else... You can fact check me. I know when Bonds did it. I know when A Rod did it. Who's the other one? Uh, Conseco, and then uh, Afonso Soriano. He'd be the outlier. That what, what were the? How good were the Cubs? He was on the Nationals when he did. It, I believe he was the Nationals. Let me, let me look it up. I'll find it real quick for you. Because uh, Soriano, remember when he went over to the Nats? He was. Uh, they were. Real, I don't think they were very good that year. And I remember him. Just that was like the story for them. Him doing the forty forty. He did it in... By the way, big-time breaking news. Uh, 2006, he did it. What were they? Uh, he had... Well, he had 46 homers and 41 steals. The Nationals that year were 71 and 91. Jim Bowden, the general manager. So everybody but Canseco, who went 40-40, did it in years where their team stunk. By the way, big-time breaking news in sports. The NCAA tournament, men's and women's, will be played in front of no fans because of the coronavirus. Oh, wow. That. Obviously, the Giants have announced that our Bay Bridge series game in San Francisco has been canceled. The Warriors are playing with no fans at Chase Center tomorrow against Brooklyn. Yeah, because now we're having these counties and states say – See, was it Seattle? Seattle was the lowest. It was like 250 people or more you cannot have. Yeah. Most have gone with 1,000. Seattle also, their MLS team, the Sounders, uh, they postponed their game. So they were the first MLS team to postpone a game. 
They're also the Mariners are apparently looking to play somewhere else throughout March for their home games. Yeah, I mean, we 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 really do not know. And I've had people hit me up on Twitter like, "What's going to happen?" Like, I don't know. None of us know. As test kits continue to be sent out, you know, we don't know when people have symptoms, is it the flu or is it the coronavirus? So we truly don't know the numbers. And, you know, hopefully the numbers are lower than people are estimating because, you know, we don't want people being sick. But when the NCAA basically says no fans, men's women, that is a big deal. I'm, I was trying to look up the cities where it was going to be played. You got Staples Center, Toyota Center, which is in Houston, Madison Square Garden, New York. There's still some cities that don't have any cases, by the way. Yeah. The states. You know, as, as we had another Super 2 yesterday, and all of it obviously is looking at what's going on in the Democratic Party. You know, there was multiple states where people are voting la- for yesterday that they don't even have a case yet. But I think at some point, once all the test kits get out, there's going to be probably a case in every single. When we were in Arizona, uh, there wasn't a case yet in Arizona. But obviously, we're going to see. Oh, Sacramento is hosting the first and second rounds this year. I was looking up. So there's there's a California besides L.A. that's hosting. We Date, got a, Dayton, got Ohio. Ohio, Washington, St. Louis, there's, Tampa, yeah, North all, Carolina, Nebraska. Albany, New York, the capital. The of New York City, Final Four and title game March or in, in beginning of April or is in Atlanta. So, be interesting to see what happens with that and the Braves when that goes down. I won't be shocked, and I have no knowledge of this. I won't be shocked if, like, when we talk about the Bay Bridge series, if it will remain in Arizona. Like you'll say, because the A's have issued a statement that they're working with the Giants right now. This is according to. MLB.com, I won't be shocked. I mean, obviously, we have no knowledge of it. We're slowly but surely teaching people what the future is going to be. And I had a conversation because I always talk about it. And somebody on Twitter, and I respect all of you. I'm not going to come down anybody's road. Someone on Twitter said, why do you keep bragging about A's cast when the people listening to you already have A's cast? And the the deal is this. I'm going to come totally clean here with you. Pull back the curtain, as they like to say. That's a, hey, that's a terrestrial radio term. New people come to us every single day. Every the, Our data shows that we have new people come every single day. Every day. New people are signing up on TuneIn, or you're going to athletics.com slash A'scast. New people every single day. What do you think Howard Stern did when he went over to SiriusXM? Or it was just Sirius at the time. He promoted. Sell, always selling. Always promoting. And that's what we're going to do. And you people who are already here, we love you. But you need to understand, we talk to a new audience every single day. What did our old station do when they had a one ratings book? They actually beat the competition. 
They immediately started playing promos. We're number one. We're number one. No, we're... They still do. And they're not. You always promote yourself. That's what you do. What do teams do when they're in first place? They tell you they're in first place. What do businesses do when they're beating the competitor? They let you know we're beating the competitor. So what we're going to do here is constantly tell you we're the team that's doing this, we're the franchise that's innovative, and we're the future. And 10 years from now, everybody's going to be doing it, and you're all going to look back going, damn, these guys did it first. Trust us. We were at the winter meetings. Every single team came to us checking in. They will be doing it. They'll be doing it even when they're getting rights fees from a what's essentially will be called a flagship station. There will be a time in our careers where essentially the flagship station will be dead. Teams want to control their own message. They want to be able to control what you hear, what you get. Because what happens with terrestrial radio is once baseball season, well, not even baseball season. At the start of the baseball season, everybody's talking about NBA. They're talking about the NFL draft. Then all of a sudden, NBA ends in June, and the draft's done with. Well, now we're talking about OTAs and NFL. And football starts in August. So now football eats up into the baseball season. And then training camp starts with NBA. Baseball teams need to control their own message because terrestrial radio is not doing it anymore. They haven't been for years. There is only a couple markets in baseball where baseball is going to be 365. I think it's St. Louis. I think of Boston. But the Patriots kind of changed the narrative on that. You know, once the Patriots started winning, I mean, when you've been to nine Super Bowls and won six, but back in the day, the Patriots stunk, so it was always about the Red Sox. And baseball would end before the Celtics would start or the Bruins would start. But seriously, I mean, it's Boston is, is a baseball city. New York, I mean, Yankees are always going to be the Yankees. But for the most part, sports are really seasonal. Well, baseball doesn't want to be seasonal. Baseball wants to be year-round. That's what we're doing with A's Cast and A's Cast Live. I was trying to think, would we consider Atlanta a baseball? Because No. College football, it might be the only town or area, territory, where college football is bigger than the NFL. I can see that 100% because I know. Georgia and Georgia Tech are actually bigger than the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Hawks the Atlanta Braves, you get down into the southeast, the deep southeast, college football is king. They they talk. That's why I could see. Can you imagine Alabama having this? You could. These people will talk college football year-round. It is the big swing, and you know what. I mean, they are, you know, you get into Alabama. I mean, tell you what, LSU, I mean, if you really want to say in the state of Louisiana what's bigger, LSU or the New Orleans Saints. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. I mean, seriously, you could make a case. Not, you know, no respect for the Pelicans? They're not even on the map. <laughs> That's how big. I mean, and it's crazy for us that we, we're like, 
What do we care about Stanford, Cal, and San Jose State in, in football? In in these in in the Southeast, SEC teams and schools, they make their athletic departments make more money than professional sports. Now they don't have to pay the players, but I got to tell you, I mean, when the University of Florida was going big, were they bigger than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I wouldn't say were they, are they still, and the answer is probably when yes. When Florida State and Bobby Bowden were doing what they were doing and the Buccaneers stunk, Dolphins are big, though. I mean, I would, you know, because, I mean, as big as the U was, and a lot of people don't realize that the University of Miami is a private school. It's a small private school. Um, but they're winning national championships. But the Dolphins have always been big. I mean, Dolphins in South Florida. Are, are really big. But the Buccaneers, I mean, they're the Buccaneers. I mean, e- even growing up in the Pittsburgh area, Pitt and Penn State are way bigger than the, the Pirates are. Like, the Pirates are get play on terrestrial radio, but people care about Pitt and Penn State. They care about the Penguins more than anything besides the Steelers. So when, when baseball is like fifth on the list when it comes to Joe stuff. Paterno at one point was one of the most powerful people in this, as sad as this is. This is sad for the great state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania, Joe Paterno was one of the most powerful guys in the state. He was. Uh, which is sickening. That's uh, that's middle. That's like State College is in like the middle of the state, so Philadelphia can claim him. And... Oh, wait. I was just in the great state of Philadelphia. Great city of Philadelphia. Not I, mean, I mean, a great city of Philadelphia. Uh, Independence Hall is one of the most – if you ever go to Philadelphia, the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall are right next to each other. You go in and do the tour, it's free, of Independence Hall, and rangers take you through it. And at one point, when they're talking about putting the Constitution together, so really Philadelphia was the capital of the United States before Washington, D.C. It was Hamilton and Jefferson had to have a little combo, give and take, Hamilton wanted the banking and the money to be in New York. Jefferson wanted, a little history lesson here, Jefferson wanted, who was from Virginia, wanted it in D.C., the capital. So they compromised. But you go, like, it was amazing. They still have it set up. And they're like, at the very, by the way, George Washington is the most important American of all time. I mean, if it wasn't for George Washington, when you really get into the history of what he did, um, because he could have become king if he wanted, but he didn't want that. But they have it the, the 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 chair. So they have this meeting room in Independence Hall, and they still have the original chair that George Washington was in. Because after you know they, you know after he was president, they kept bringing him back because George was the most respected guy, and the states were all fighting with each other. So this ranger, she goes, George Washington was sitting here, and in the very back was Ben Franklin, and he was sitting, and you're like. In this room, you got guys like George Washington and Ben Franklin, and then the great Chris Townsend's in there now. I, and then I, I was just like, I was just like, you're like sitting there, like my kids have no idea. I'm just sitting there. We're all like looking at each other, like, oh my god, talk about history. Well, that's a good uh, PSA for Ace fans who are going to travel to Philadelphia to see the A's and Phillies June 12th through the 14th. By the way, at Citizens Bank Park. So after we did all the history stuff, me and my best friend and his son as the Women went shopping of the group, and we didn't want to go shopping. We then Ubered down to that kitty corner that has Gino and Pat's, the cheesesteaks, the competing cheesesteaks. 
and I actually ate two cheesesteaks. I had one at Pat's and one at Gino's. Hot take, I went with Gino's. I thought it was far better. Some people think I'm crazy, uh, but we like Gino's better. Then we Ubered down to where the Phillies ballpark, the Eagles stadium, and then the Flyers and the Sixers. Wells Fargo Center. They all play next to each other. And then they like Texas Live, they have Philly Live, where it's basically an area that has a bunch of restaurants and bars, and that's where you go before the game. The Phillies ballpark is beautiful. Oh, Citizens Bank is great. Beautiful. Uh, second best ballpark in Pennsylvania. Um, you mean the one ballpark people actually go to? Um, people go to PNC like when the I Star works. Yeah, when I watch Pirate games, I don't really see a lot of, you know, home runs are going into the Allegheny over right field and there's no one in the stands. It's weird. Uh, it's, it's usually cold when those balls go out of the ballpark. <laughs> no one wants to be there. But that's a great, that's a great you know, you're telling people where to go in Philadelphia when the A's I are I would there say this. If you're an A's fan and you want to do some history and the corona's gone away as summer hits and usually the flu goes away, hopefully corona goes away, I would do a trip. I, I tell you, Philly is a great town. Remember, June 12th through the 14th. The A's are there to take on Bryce Harper and the Phillies and our good friend Kevin Franzen. And, by the way, their team store is legit. They've got great gear. That that whole area right there. With like, If I was a Phillies fan, oh, I would for sure be buying the Michael Jack Schmidt light blue. That's I love that uniform. Number 20 jersey. Hate the, the Phillies. The, the, the retro Phillies jersey is awesome. Love it because I remember Bryce Harper and the Phillies wore it last year. I was like, that. I love the color of it. Hate the Phillies, but I love the color of that uniform. I'd buy a Pete Rose retro. I'd even buy a Larry Boa. Well, you're really going back. <laughs> really going back. What about Lenny Dykstra? <laughs> oh, that's not retro. Well, he played in the 80s. No, he was a Met in the 80s. Oh, that's true. He was. Yeah, so you're looking like 90s then for Dykstra. Yeah, that was a different uni. I'm talking about the early 80s light blue Road. You can you could get a retro one made of Dykstra. Or? I would I would if I was a Phillies fan, I for sure would be buying a Mike Schmidt jersey. Oh, I I think most Philly fans, if you don't have a if you don't have a uh, Mike Schmidt jersey, I don't know what other Philly player you'd have. Maybe Jimmy Rollins, Steve Carlton. I took a picture with Steve Carlton and Michael Jack Schmidt. They have the. Uh, that's what I can't wait for the A's. I can't wait for us to get a new ballpark and we start putting up. You know I me. Mean? You know how many. Next time we when are we gonna talk to Dave Cavill? Well, he's kind of busy with a lot of stuff going on right now, so I haven't even asked. Yeah, that's true. Um, next time we talk to Dave Cavill, my we should be the king of statues. Just in Oakland, forget the Philly guys. I mean, you put the I mean Jimmy Fox. I mean, you got a bunch of Hall Tony of, Mack. You have a bunch of Hall of Famers from the Philadelphia days, but I mean, you got to have a Ricky Henderson. You gotta have a Reggie Jackson. Raleigh. Gotta have a Raleigh. Eck. Oh, Eck and the flow. The hair and the mustache. I mean, those are just guys off the top of your head. I mean, then you can start talking about Dave Stewart, other guys, you know, guys that are that are part of the eighties and nineties teams that were great in Oakland. Vida. Oh, catfish? Ray Fossey. Oh, the face? Can you imagine if Fossey had a statue? How great that would be. <laughs> And, and every game, and every game, should just have a stadium, and everywhere you go, there's a statue. Like ever outside, inside, just put statues. Statues are awesome. It, it it basically is telling everybody about your history, and it teaches the kids about the history of your franchise, of your great franchise. You got you got to have Ricky. You got to have Reggie. You got to have Eck. You got to have these guys. 
the Hall of Famers, Catfish. You got to have the Hall of Famers. Yeah, everyone. I mean, I would even include some of the the Ace Hall of Famers, like Dave Stewart, and guy. Well, and other guys that you know that are in there, and guys that are going in. And you got you, even Tony Larusa is a big part of Ace history. Hall of Famer. There's a lot of people that have have a lot of Oakland A's history. Someday you're going to have a statue of Billy Bean. Uh, maybe what? What about uh, Bill King? Do a statue in the press box for Bill King. Well, you're gonna you're gonna name the press box after Bill King. Yeah, I'm just thinking guys. You're just are, spitballing. I'm right just now? throwing guys out there that are that are popular A's legends, broadcasting or players. What are you gonna do with Ken Korak? Ken will get one. Ken's been there for what, 25 years now. We should have a wing in the press box with like. Monty Moore, Lon Simmons, Bill, Ken, Fossey. Fossey, yeah. We could have to have statues in the press box for our great broadcasters. Not a bad idea because you said you named the press box after Bill King. You named the press box after Bill King, but you have an area. Because let's face it, I mean, a lot of these press boxes you go in, they're so generic. Let's make ours incredible where we have like a Hall of Fame for broadcasters, and they all, just not a plaque. We're going to give them statues. Ken Fossey's being uh, an uh, automated one. Anytime people walk by, Townie! <laughs> Townie! <laughs> He's just yelling during the broadcast looking for you. <laughs> we're gonna, are we having Ray on Friday? We are. He will be in Texas ahead of the, because we're on before A's Rangers on Friday, because the game, I believe, is at 7.05. So you'll be on pregame at 6.30. We're on from 4 to 6.20 that day on Friday. And we're efforting on the great Billy Owens, who is one of our favorites here on A's Cast Live. Pride of Bellarmine here in San Jose. And U of A, where he went there as a quarterback and a baseball player. But Billy Owens is one of the great talent evaluators in the game of baseball. Everybody tries to steal him, but he doesn't leave. Loyal to Billy Bean. We have a good show planned on Friday so far. We have the great and super fan Matt Vaskersian, Fossey, and A's general manager David Force will be with us. And we'll see who else I – I'll probably try to find a Rangers guy for you. Maybe C.J. Nikowski. Nikowski, sorry. Because that's what we need to do is talk more Rangers baseball. C.J. does MLB Network Radio, though. He can talk about anything. Actually, I uh, was listening to him on Sirius XM. With uh, Eduardo and Steve C. Phillips? Well, now they're all all scattered right now because of their spring training. But he has a story that he was talking about – I think it was like little league people or soccer people, and he was just—he's like appalled by the parents. So I have to get into that because I know exactly. Like when I was driving around, I'm like, I know exactly. It was like parents and their kids, and these sporting events are literally out of hand. I don't know yet. I don't have children, but I will probably be appalled when I get older because I see it now. When oh. I used to coach, when I used to coach basketball, I saw how parents were. Everybody thinks little Johnny and little Timmy are going to be big leaguers, and the reality is, little Johnny and little Tim- and Timmy. Odds are not going to be big leaguers. Actually, I'm that guy in the stands. Like last year, um, Dina, my fiance's cousin, played little. Uh, he's like, I think he's six now. So he's in a second year of, I guess, T-ball or whatever you want to call it. And last year, I was watching. I'm like, I, I kept saying to her, uh, his mom and everyone, um, I should coach this team. That this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I'm that guy. I criticize wow. the coach. Wow, you're going to be that guy. I'm going to be. I'm going to the guy that criticize. Doesn't matter what what age group it is. I'm going to criticize the coach. Of you mean the coach that's not getting paid, that's going out of his way to do this when all the other parents don't want to do it. They don't want to run practices. They won't. They don't want to have to go to every game. This man or woman is dedicating their time, and you're going to criticize them 
for dedicating their time to coach your kid who's not that good, but you think he's that good? Uh, I, you know what? I'm a, I'm a guy from the East Coast, and I criticize everything. Oh. So yes, I when I when Shots I have kids fired. when I have kids, I'm going to coach little league and pony ball and everything as you get older. Oh my god, I'm going to come. I'm going to be the I'm going to be the guy that's out like in right field yelling at you in the dugout. Our team might not be any good, but they're going to have good spin rate, launch angles. They're going to know the value of pitch framing. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna know every analytic in baseball. I don't care if we win three games. The, these kids are gonna be well. They're gonna be educated on at least Statcast. All right, are we done? I think so. We did almost an hour. An hour pregame for a game. I wanted that, to give you something. I mean, hour pregame for a game that didn't happen. I mean, this has been A's Total Access. I hope you've enjoyed. It's really been, you know, our when we don't do A's Cast Live and we do the Commander and Townie. Townie and the Commander podcast. Townie and the, it's like a, like a generic podcast because we want to give you some some good stuff. We hope you enjoyed. Yes, I know you wanted A's baseball today, but it rained in the Valley of the Sun. I feel, you know what I feel bad for the most? Alex Jensen. He's on there to call the game. He's enjoying a, the big league call-up, and it rains. And then he's come, coming off of a bad night for him. St. Mary's lost to Gonzaga last night. It's just a rough 24-hour stretch for the face, the former face, I mean. Yeah, no, no. He's literally Alex Jensen is dead to us. He's the face of Stockton Ports Yeah, he's dead to us. I mean, he left. I mean, he went. He said greener pastures in Stockton versus Oakland. I don't even want to see him again. Uh. Are you saying he has a ban from the Coliseum? No, I have to talk to him tomorrow. Actually, oh, all right. Well, I, I think tomorrow's. My, I think tomorrow might be his last I game. Gave him, he hey, could... I gave him the day off because they were like, "Hey, Alex can stick around." I'm like, "Why would you stick around?" He might need. I told you, big loss for St. Mary's last night. You know, who would have saw Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and the WCC championship game for like the 37th time in a row? I, I, I know this is horrible. I've already forgotten who are the A's playing today. Angels. Oh, the Angels in Tempe. Now, that's a good ballpark because you're right by – I'm going to tell you, Peoria is terrible. I never need to go back there again. I've been there once. I forgot how bad it is. I saw the Padres and Royals play there once. Hey, Dodgers White Sox ballpark is nice. Camelback Ranch? No. Uh, yeah, it's a Camelback. Was it Camelback? Yeah. In Glendale. Don't ever need to go there again. So you're in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's a little far from where we were in Mesa. It's in the middle. There's nothing like like when they built the ballpark in Peoria, there was nothing around it but desert. Now there's, you know, strip malls. It's like it's like uh, there's no reason to go. It's like building a high school football stadium in the middle of Texas somewhere like that. And trust me, I, I, I've had to go to the football stadium the last two years. We don't sit Raiders. We don't stay in Glendale. No one stays in Glendale. What is that stadium called now? So the University it's of a nice Stadium, stadium. I got to tell like you, that. it's a really nice stadium. Well, yeah, they have the retractable grass and all that yeah, stuff, don't they? Pretty, yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. But it's like, it's in the middle of nowhere. We're not hanging out in Glendale, Arizona. I mean, the bottom line, but but Angels are in Tempe, and Tempe is where Arizona State is. So downtown Tempe has, I mean, it's it's rocking. Scottsdale's rocking, and Tempe's rocking. I mean, there's tons of restaurants and, and things to do, bars, breweries, um, I went to a great brewery in Tempe last year with the great Donnie Barnes and I went to a really cool brewery in uh, downtown Tempe. So, Angels, Angels, essentially Angels and the Giants have the best side. And the Giants Stadium is old, but you're in, you're in Scottsdale. Scottsdale's, so a little tip from Uncle Townie, when you go down to spring training, you want to stay in Scottsdale. 
Scottsdale's a place to be. So we got A's Dodgers tomorrow, the rematch of last week. It's a big revenge game. According to Bob Nightingale, it's a preview of the World Series. So what time will we be on tomorrow? 12.30 pregame, 105 game? 12.30 pregame. You're going to hear from Pedro Gomez from ESPN. That was almost like his signature sign-off, Pedro Gomez. ESPN. ESPN. And then we got Rangers on Friday. That's correct. I hadn't looked at the weekend schedule. Uh, looks like Mariners on Saturday. The great Mariners. You'll get to see the great Malik Smith and his 46 steals on Saturday. We're in Peoria, swear to God. I'm looking at their lineup. I'm like, I don't even know who these guys are. I know Malik Smith is. Cargo is in the lineup. He's a minor league on a minor league deal. Tom Murphy's in the lineup. He had a home run off the scoreboard. Their catcher. Who? He had 18 home runs. Well, again, everyone had home runs. Who? Who was the other guy in the lineup that I knew? J.P. Crawford. Kyle Seager. Kyle Seager was in the lineup. He can't say healthy. He's like our guy Mitch Hennigan. It's like Malik Smith, Cargo, and Kyle Seager. There's some guy from St. Mary's who's bounced around. I'm like, who are these? The freaking D. Gordon. He wasn't in the lineup. He didn't play that day? I thought, I thought I saw him playing. I don't think he was in the lineup. I mean, it was a bunch of guys. You're like, the the Mariners are really not trying at all. Like, the, at all. Well, it's changed from the days whenever uh, my former, I, well, I guess alma mater mate, the great Jack Zarenzik was running Friend the of the program. The great Cal U grad as long as, along with myself. The great Jack Zarenzik came on the pregame a lot. We can effort him at some point. I mean, we don't play the Pirates this year but because he does Pirates pre and post, but oh, he still knows baseball really well. I guarantee you he remembers. At that time, before the treehouse, I did the pregame show from the visiting GM box. So every visiting GM would come in and, like, open the door and see me doing radio and be like, oh, my God. And that's how I got to know all these guys. Because after I'd get done, I'd introduce myself. Hey, sorry, this is how the setup is. And, you know, they're all cool. Oh, hey, no, no worries. And then uh, we'd end up having a conversation, and that's how I've gotten to know all these GMs all these years was, you know, I ended up hanging out, watched a game with Billy Epler, Angels GM. Hey, you talk, well, you talked to him at the winter meetings. You guys are like best friends down there. Joe Madden looked a little disappointed you weren't talking to him. Joe Madden. I don't even know Joe Madden. Who's Joe Madden? Hey, we got our guy is on his staff, though, the great Mickey Calloway. That's your guy. I'm gonna effort, I'm gonna ask the Angels for it. First request of the year from the Angels. Can we have Mickey Calloway? Who's a, who's a better friend, Madden or Rossi? I think we have a better chance of la- landing Joe Madden on the program. So I'm gonna go with Madden. Since we're not playing the Cubs. Yeah, Ro- well, the, the, we couldn't even do the Rossi and Fossey segment. I'm gonna go with uh, Joe Madden. Challenge to you is that on the A schedule, we get every GM. From the team, the A's are playing. So it'll be tougher for the National League East teams, but we get every Brody Van Wagenen must. Anthopolis must. Who's the I don't even know who the GM of the Marlins is. Is it Mike Hill? I think it's Mike Hill. Derek Jeter. Oh god. We want I don't Jeets. think we're getting Jeter. I'd rather I'd like to have Mattingly though. Uh Matt Klentek. We'll settle for Kevin Franzen. I'll tell you what, the other day on Twitter, they were showing a, a highlight of Mattingly, the year he, he broke the record for most Grand Slams in a year. You forget, in his prime, before he hurt his back, there really wasn't anybody better than Don Mattingly. Well, we talked about it. We were going through that list a couple weeks ago. Donnie Baseball. Talking about the guys who played for one team their whole career, and we mentioned Donnie Baseball, how great he was. Don Mattingly was awesome. 
That's why it's like funny. Like we actually view Ricky Henderson differently now than when he played. Like now we're like Ricky Henderson's the greatest player of all time. Ricky Henderson wasn't even the best player on his own team. He wasn't better than Don Mattingly. Look at this MVP year for Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly had 145 RBIs. Wrap your mind around that. Is that any good? He hit 324. He had 48 doubles, 35 home runs. Struck out 41 times, walked 56. That's crazy. The year before that, he didn't win the MVP. He hit 343. Don Mattingly, what? Don Mattingly was a 30-plus home run guy in his prime. He was a 30-plus home run guy. This is non-steroids. 30-plus home runs, 100-plus RBIs, and well over 40. He led baseball in doubles three straight years, 44, 48, and 53. And then he hurts the back and life changed. But that's incredible. Like, he had a run of a before he hurt his back where you're like, this guy, and by the way, he's the best defensive first baseman. Before he hurts his back, Don Mattingly is a, in, 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 in his mid-20s, he's a for sure Hall of Famer. And then he hurts his back and, the, you know, everything he's, drops off. In his, how many years, 14-year career, he only had two years where he struck out more than he, he walked. He still finished as a 830 OPS. Once again. Wasn't hitting home runs. The It all kind of slowed down. He had his back. And his amount of games played. I mean, he's playing, but he still ends up 307 career average, 830 career OPS. You're a big OPS plus guy, 127. He's well above average. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine gold gloves. I mean, Don Maddox, I mean, that's like, it's like the sad thing. You know he's a Hall of Fame player. But his his numbers won't add up because he was hurt. Sad. Because Donnie Baseball was money. So it's like it's like I always think about Ricky Henderson's the greatest. Ricky Henderson at times wasn't the best player on his own team. I mean, I'm trying to think who else was on that team with Donnie Baseball and Ricky. Dave Winfield. Winfield was great. Um, that was way before my time with. When, you weren't when, even born yet. I wasn't even born when, when Mattingly was winning MVPs. I was born in 88 when he was 27. He had a down year that year. He only hit 311 with 18 homers and 88 RBIs. can't believe that guy was actually starting first baseman with those numbers. I mean, the reality is, is he just he played through a bad back and still put up decent numbers. They they, they must love him. In, I mean, they love him in, in Miami because, the let's face it, the Marlins haven't been very good, and they've traded everyone. And it's not all on him because they've traded everyone away, but yet – he got a contract extension for never having a winning season or even coming close. Will you expect to win when you trade all your players? Like Jeter must love him. Must be the ex-Yankee it's pride. The Yankee. Yankee pride. He's in the ring of honor. What are they calling? It's uh, God. I've been there. Well, I went there to the old one. Yankees? Isn't it Monument Park? Or Monument Park, yeah. Manley's in there. Oh, he's great. Well, I, I, when I think of the like 70s and 80s Yankees, besides Reggie Jackson, I think of Thurman Munson. Don Mattingly, Winfield, then he brought him up. Hard pressed to think of any other guys really to play for the Yankees in the eighties. Ron Guidry, Goose Gossage, Louisiana Lightning, yeah, Goose Gossage, uh, San Jose's own Dave Rigetti. I was gonna say Rigetti. 
All right, we're done. Yeah. Um, now we're going into Yankee lore. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.